Hey, we were talking last week about oh references that nobody gets that I still use. I mean, the well, the only one I mentioned last week was powdered donuts make me go nuts from yeah. Hartson's pretend time. But you just reminded me of another one that one of my I mean, it's got to be one of my all time favorite albums. But it's a, a ska album. It's real big fish. Why do they rock so hard? And oh it, my god! One of my favorite albums, just because of the moment in time that I was listening to it over and over and over again, which was like senior year of high school, and it was like just you know a magical time in my life. And that album soundtracked the whole thing, and at least the at least the year nineteen ninety nine. I think it it opens or one of the songs opens up with like, and I, this was also one of my favorite things that albums did. And whenever I was in bands, I would do the I would like force the same thing. Studio chatter. I would like demand that studio chatter be <laughs> on the front and end of like every song. I was like, no, we must be talking before oh the song starts. God. <laughs> Because it was one of my favorite things that I loved, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't tell anybody I was forcing it. But that would be like my internal dialogue. Like I must say, <laughs> "All right, let's go," or whatever you know, before the song starts. <laughs> like, hey, what are we having for lunch? Oh, here we go with a song, um, something. But the real big fish song starts. Holy shit, we're rolling! And, and it, it uh, you just reminded me of just- it. But just it but sparked it, you, the memory in yeah, your head. But I also say it all the time too. Like when when we're rolling, I go, "Holy shit, we're rolling!" Like, <laughs> just or, or I either say it or I think it. Um, not just yeah. us, but when when I am rolling at any point, I say, <laughs> "Holy shit, we're rolling!" Yeah, I was I was not on the uh, uh, the room page, so I didn't see you come in, and then I just heard, "Hey!" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know you were already on. I was like walking around. I was like just, you know, bumming around the house. I, I was, I was. So my mustache is getting very long, and I was um, rubbing my mustache up against my microphone like so. Good. <laughs> Something's off putting about that. Can you hear I'm doing a figure eight? Yeah, I think I could probably have picked that up. If you had asked me what number you were doing, I would have said figure eight. <laughs> or what figure am I doing? I would have said eight. <laughs> That's All right, a joke. Tim. Yeah. Tim, what, what number am I writing on my right. microphone with my mustache? I can do it again if you want me to. Hang on. It's one single digit? It's one single digit. Okay. Do you want me to do it again? Sure. Let's hear it one more time. Okay, here we go. Two? Close. Oh, it's three. No, no, it's six. <laughs> well, I guess everything between one and ten is close. <laughs> you know what? But you I was gonna say I, I meant like close in motion. Yes. Now, I, there, now I see what you mean. <laughs> there's the hook on the top of the two, but instead I'm talking about like the 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 rounded part at the bottom of a six. Yeah, and I mean you hear what I what I did. I heard that <laughs> loop and I yeah, thought it was and, a two. Yeah. 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 But I mean you I, I get, mean yeah, I guess two would be more of this. Yeah, if you if you don't loop your two, which I do, so that's why I heard. Do you loop your two, or do you do you do it like an upside down five kind of, where you just do the straight line over? Uh, I just do a straight line over. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, so I loop, yeah. and that's why it's kind of like a backward six with a little tail. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Should we get going? 
Might as well, yeah. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 7, Episode 9, the penultimate episode of Season 7. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, Officer Krupke. Before we get to homework, I want to settle something that I just cannot believe. That really was fucking Ben Affleck at the beginning of that. No fucking way. Apparently. (laughs) What? The story that I've seen online says that the cameo came about when Ben Affleck visited the set and Larry David asked if he wanted to be an extra in the scene. And there he is for two seconds on screen of non-speaking. Holy shit. They got Ben Affleck and gave him a day rate in 2009. Yeah. Yeah. If he, I mean, it probably just contractually, since he's in the union, he probably had to take like 50 bucks or whatever it was for that scene. But yeah, I mean, I'm... Uh, Holy shit, man. Now, now, here's the thing. I can't find any actual conversation of this besides the same self-fulfilling circular references that we always find about appearances like this. Mm-hmm. For instance, the disproven Peter Dinklage in Seinfeld rumor that persisted for years just because... Someone put it on IMDb because the voice on the phone sounded yeah. like Peter I, Dinklage. Then some IMDb, random blog. Yeah. yeah, IMDb credits Variety. Variety credits Sign Wiki. Wiki Sign. Wiki Sign credits Variety. Variety credits IMDb. It's just a fucking circle. If it started with Variety, I'd be happy. But it usually starts with IMDb, and then some random blog references it, and then Variety gets a hold of it, and yeah, then the IMDb true. claim is proven true. Because then it's in Variety, and it's like, oh, whoa, only you don't realize that Variety just referenced, you know, that the IMDb thing was just referencing in, itself. Yeah, in, in a roundabout way, they're yeah. just referencing their own fucking, like, user submission. Exactly, and it's just lather, rinse, repeat, based on that one. So, I honestly don't know if, if it's true or not, but I guess that's where we have to, until someone can ask Ben Affleck about this. Now I have a, you know, if I ever run into Ben Affleck, I have a conversation starter. Like, is that yeah, you? It's, it, it's not going to be like, hey, I know a lot of people ask you about Batman, but let me let me ask you about your time on on Clerks or your time in the yeah. Jay and Silent Bob universe. No, I want to ask you about your extra spot on season nine, or excuse me, season seven, episode nine of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, don't care about your Oscar or Goodwill Hunting or any of that. Yeah, Argo was cool, but like, can we talk about Curb Your Enthusiasm? <laughs> yes, exactly. Let me just see what he was up to. I mean, because why was he visiting the set? It has no... There's no reason for him to be on set based on this episode. Where was was Curb filmed? The Paramount lot? Or Universal lot? This was, I'm guessing, the actual banana... I mean, because he's outside the actual Banana Republic. Mm, um, True. In uh, in the on the Third Street Promenade. Okay, I mean, but I normal, guess normally where was it? Where where was it? Oh, filmed? That, I don't know where the sets because are. He, he may be under a contract with whatever company was shooting at that lot. Maybe, yeah. and they just like ran into him one day. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, come by. We're filming a Banana Republic tomorrow or something." Like, especially yeah. this season, it looks like they are on. You know, they have a sound stage and they're they're filming because most of them, I think, they just film in in people's houses. That's what we've heard before. You know, they're just they just pick a house and they film in it and they set dress it and everything. In two thousand nine, Ben Affleck did well. He he had a kind of a bit of a down year. He did. He's just not that into you. State of play and extract. 
So he didn't. He had. I don't really, remember any of those. Yeah, a couple of years before he he directed and wrote Gone Baby Gone, which I love. That's a good flick. But yeah, 2009 was kind of a down year for him. But then 2010, he's in one of the best movies ever, The Town, which he also oh. wrote and directed. You don't like The Town? Okay, oh my so I, I honestly have not given The Town a fair shot. I'll I, say. I watched it, to, okay, bias <laughs> much. I watched it on DVD, on my portable DVD player, on a long road trip. And I was like, this is fucking boring. And I wow. was tired Maybe I should watch it again, but like, I I just, I, I don't want to. Yeah. You sound like me after forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> Actually, I think that yeah. was the exact same headspace <laughs> I was in. So maybe, maybe we um, both okay, need so to. Wh- what did you say he was in, in, in 09? You said something like extract or extract. Or something? Yeah. With, cause it's, Jake, why am I not what's his seeing face it on that? his IMDb? I don't know. It's got Jason Bateman, Mila Kunis, Kristen Wiig, oh, and Ben Affleck. I'm looking at producer. I'm not looking uh, at actor. That's why. Yeah, he's like actor. seventh build on Wikipedia, so he must not have a huge role in it. But I definitely remember this movie, but it's a Mike Judge movie, and I, I don't remember much besides that. Oh, oh, okay. Wait, wait. I think I know what you're talking about. Was this... Is this like the unofficial follow-up to Office Space that came out? It did, I think so. It says it. It's said to be Judge's companion piece to Office Space. Yeah. Okay. Which I, I didn't remember, know. I remember seeing the trailers for this, and I wanted to see it, but I had never seen Office Space, so I just never saw this. I I, I should say I never saw Office Space to this point whenever this came out. Yeah. I, I saw Office Space before I graduated high school in 2011, and then... I just never went back and and watched this because, you know, the internet was not what it is now. Yeah. It was not like popular online or anything. It was once once a movie was out, it was out and you fucking forgot about it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes, totally. There was not Um, Twitter discourse talking about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess Ben just had time on his hands. Maybe he was writing the town at the time or at least maybe writing and and directing it because it came out in um, early 2010. No, late 2010. He could have been working on it. But the town is on my Mount Rushmore of movies set in Boston, I gotta say. That, The Departed, <laughs> Goodwill Hunting, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. How, how many of those have Mark Wahlberg in it? Just one. <laughs> <laughs> the Departed. So I thought that was really weird, and I can't wait to find out if it's true. But uh, for now, the internet thinks that it is. All right, now on to actual homework. What about the actual song, Officer Krupke, from the musical West Side Story? West Side Story, first on Broadway in 1957. Inspired, of course, by William Shakespeare's play Romeo and Juliet, this story set in the mid-1950s on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and, you know, pits the uh, the American street gangs at the time against the Puerto Ricans that were also fighting for turf in the neighborhood. This episode did use the soundtrack from the 1961 motion picture with Natalie Wood, Richard Beimer, Russ Tamblin, who I believe is related to Amber Tamblin. I think that might be her grandfather or something like that. Hmm. Rita Moreno, of course, who uh, appeared in Steven Spielberg's remake a couple years ago. It was nominated for 11 Academy Awards and won 10, including Best Picture that year, and also including a special award for something. I don't know what. And it became the record holder for most wins for a musical that year. And it won Best Score, but it did not win Best Song. It wasn't even nominated for Best Song. Oh, Surprisingly, my God. yeah. So it's like, wow, you set a record for, you know, the most Oscars ever won by a musical. Oh, cool. So we got Best Score and Best Song. Hang on. 
hang on you didn't uh you didn't your musical didn't win best song are you crazy <laughs> the winner was actually from another seinfeld cinematic universe movie breakfast at tiffany's moon river won that year interestingly enough of course breakfast at tiffany's the uh george has to go and infiltrate a family who has rented the only copy at i guess the only video store in all of new york city uh so that he can pretend that he read the book for this book club that he's joined so what about the uh song the full title is G Officer Krupke, and we were wrong about Ben Affleck, and I guess uh, wrong about this. The last line of the song, performed as G Officer Krupke, Krupp you, lyricist Stephen Sondheim originally did want to break the then existing Broadway taboo by ending the song, G Officer Krupke, fuck you. Oh my god. I can't believe it either, Ted. I've never been more upset that Larry was right. I am the same. I feel the exact same way. But I actually do have a reference for this better than a random, you know, user-submitted IMDb trivia comment. Here's what he told NPR. I wanted this to be the first musical to use fuck. In fact, I first used it in Krupke. I wanted the last line in Krupke to be, G. Officer Krupke, fuck you. And we played the song for the record company, Columbia Records. They were going to do the album. And also for a lady who was raising money for the producer at the time, she blanched visibly and clearly was upset by it. She didn't complain. <laughs> she was just sort of shocked and unhappy. But then Goddard Lieberson, who was the president of Columbia Records at the time, said that if we use that word, we couldn't ship the album across state lines because it would be in violation of the obscenity laws. So we changed it to Krupp You, and at least we were kind of right about this, he later told an interviewer that the new line was the best lyric in the whole musical, which is what I contended, that like my reasoning for him never, like, of course, a great lyricist like Sondheim wouldn't just want to straight up say, fuck you. He would say, like, Krupp You is such a better line, and so I'm glad he agreed, at least retroactively, that that was the case, but like, and, and I guess I can see him wanting to go, man, I'm, I'm Stephen fucking Sondheim. I should be the first one to say fuck on Broadway. I should be the first one to write that. Um, and break that barrier because like look at broadway now right like stuff like book of mormon or oh yeah um, oh yeah gotta go, you know avenue q i can't even like it's just so prevalent these days on broadway so i guess i can understand from a groundbreaking perspective but certainly i i would agree with his uh, eventual belief that it's maybe not the best line in the whole movie but it certainly makes a better song turning the name into an obscenity. So what about the actor who played Officer Krupke? I wanted to know where I recognized him from. His name is Michael Coleman, and I'm guessing I probably recognize him from the 60 episodes of Drunk History he did. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever Derek Waters needs like uh, you know, a, a historical figure to like stand next to him and react, he's he's there's only 12 episodes he's not in. Of drunk history. Oh my god. <laughs> so I'm guessing that's where I recognize him from. Or I guess it could be the two episodes of Nick Swartzen's Pretend Time. Yes, it's come up again. <laughs> Hadn't thought about it in decades, and here it is, two weeks in a row. And he also did two episodes of Scrubs as another janitor, which I don't remember, but sounds hilarious. Finally, I, I gotta mention this, so that's all of our homework and the, the first little bit of trivia. But Ben Affleck, I guess, not the only cameo. Apparently, nine-time World Series of Poker winner and Poker Hall of Famer Eric Seidel appears in this episode. What? As, I know, as a man at a table behind Larry when he gets his phone from his pocket after Cheryl argues with him and leaves him in the restaurant about when he accuses her of being in a threesome. 
I guess he's sitting there. I'm like, you know, whatever. I don't even care enough to check. Like, <laughs> like give me a break. <laughs> but also, oddly enough, brings up the uh, Affleck Damon universe because Eric Seidel does factor into the great poker movie Rounders that Matt Damon and Ed Norton are in from back in the day. 98, maybe. All right. That is it. That's all I got. All right. Do we got any news or anything? I know we just talked like I know. <laughs> two days ago as of this record. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, nothing in the last couple of days that I've seen. Okay. Uh, any other uh, continuity that we're, that we're finding out is not falling in line or anything? Surprisingly, no. But as always, if anyone catches anything, please let us okay. know. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show despite the last... Uh, let's see. What are we up to? Where's my mouse at? The last 21 minutes being almost exclusively research and bullshit, we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 14 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter. NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. And now, NoHugging underscore NoLearning on Instagram and threads. Go join us over over there please pretty pretty please i i beg of you please go follow us on instagram <laughs> i mean it's not like the content's not there i mean i'm i'm posting pictures of closets and, yeah uh... <laughs> <laughs> i saw your photo of like here's our here's where tim recorded from 2019 <laughs> to 2020 i'm like Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I want to do something to break up all the headliners. You know, I mean, like yeah, I know that. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think it's hilarious, though. Holy shit! Uh, I don't know why. I just happened to. <laughs> I was looking for another photo that I know was around this time a couple years ago, and I saw that one, and I was like, "Why do I have a picture?" I was like, "Oh, wow, uh, that's where I used to record." So I was like, "It's going on Instagram." <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, again, that's a no hugging underscore no learning on Instagram and threads. If you like us, you can give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts and a little bit of a written review if you have not done so already. A uh, five star rating over on Spotify also really helps us out. But if you've done both of those or just one, depending on what app you listen to us on, you can join us over on Patreon for five bucks a month. You can join the It's a Hyundai tier and get early access to extended versions of all of our episodes, where I know we broke this down last episode, I don't want to go through the full thing, but each extended version is anywhere from about five minutes to 30 minutes longer than what pops up in the free feed, and it's only going to cost you five bucks a month. And again, that's patreon.com slash no hugging. In addition to the extended episodes, we've also got movie reviews where Tim, I know we are recording this one ahead of time, but we should set a uh, time and date ahead of time to do our next movie review whenever you and I are both available. So we can talk about that after after recording. So yeah, you get movie reviews as well. That's all in the It's a Hyundai tier, just five bucks a month over at patreon.com slash no hugging. I want to give a shout out to our current patrons. So thank you to Liam M., Michael Klatsky, Drybones, Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast, John Murphy, Danica Ligorio, J-Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you guys so much. Again, patreon.com slash no hugging. All of that being said... Season 7, Episode 9, The Table Read. Original air date, November 15th, 2009. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry gets frustrated by a 9-year-old's emails. Leon poses as a dead man. And Jerry befriends Funkhauser. 
Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know. It's super long. I mean, the, the only thing I think we may be able to do is just like last week, uh, make it shorter. But also emails. Emails? Emails. <laughs> but her emails, Tim. But her emails. How appropriate today as... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Ted and I are recording this as Trump is indicted for the third time. Um, oh, I didn't even see yes, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But her emails. I, I only watch the real news, Tim. They're not talking about that. Not talking They're only about talking about how good of a job he's doing. <laughs> or did, I guess. I don't, I don't fucking know. My joke. My joke's all over the place. Oh, no. He's still president. He is yeah, still president. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's going to run in 2024 with JFK Jr. It's, yeah. It's just a formality because he's still running things. There is a deep state, but there's an even deeper state that he's in charge of. So don't worry. But yeah, emails. When I, I remembered that from the synopsis when I started watching. And I was like, because when, when he first got the text, I was like, emails? <laughs> It said emails. emails. <laughs> it said emails. Was it written 10 years before this episode aired? <laughs> emails. No one ever emails? called texts emails. No, no one ever did that. Nobody did. The rest of it may not be so bad, but we'll see uh, when we get to the end. Oh, and by the way, I love how a couple episodes ago I was also wrong about this when Larry was like, oh, yeah, the table reads in a couple days. And that was the only Seinfeld update we got. And then I was like, we're probably not even going to see the table read. Cut to, <laughs> like, look ahead a little bit, Tim. And you'd see there's an episode called The Table Read. <laughs> called The Table Read. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously had forgotten. Uh, except for that epic moment, I'll point out, because I pointed it out at the end of last week's episode. All right, so we open with Larry David. A very, like, poignant opening as he's observing with reverence, sort of, the unearthed Seinfeld monk's diner set you know it's a very yeah. cool shot yeah this was awesome because i mean this yeah. is never a shot that we saw in seinfeld no. you know the camera turning around and showing the 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 seats of yeah. the audience you know how low the cameras are I, i'm always fascinated by this because like ever since i learned that like how snl is shot and like the cameras are on the floor and i'm thinking i'm like well how is the audience seeing over the cameras to see the show aren't the cameras going to be in the way right and ever since i learned like oh no they're they're actually pretty low and the stands are up pretty high and they're looking down I, i'm always fascinated by this yeah yeah me too when and and what i've heard from people who actually go i've never been to a, a television filming but when people go they're like it's so small on tv it looks so oh, big I bet. yeah but it's yeah, I would so bet small it's like, like the size of a garage yeah 8h <laughs> is is one thing like i've heard that about the snl set they're like you have no idea how little room there is and i can't believe after all these years they haven't like busted out some walls or something but they're like nope <laughs> staying exactly like it is um, probably probably a thing about like heritage yeah and, or structural and integrity of the and yeah, and, and also structural <laughs> integrity, but 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 also like history, yeah, and, and and hashtag memes, but also yeah, you're you're right, the the integrity of the building as a whole because they're up really fucking high. Double Dare was another. I don't know if you remember that show on Nickelodeon, Double Dare, but that was oh, one yeah. that some a friend of mine got to go and and told me it was like so small, especially the obstacle course at the end. Like there were twenty stations or something, and and he's like, <laughs> it, it takes up like the size of our classroom. It's it's super. It's unbelievably small. That's insane. Yeah. Are they like moving them around whenever the camera's not on them, do you think? That's a good question. Probably. Mm. I know that I SNL wonder. is constantly moving sets and stuff like that when other sets are on it. And also, some of them, are, I, I think they really utilize that space under the bleachers. That's what I've learned, like being in kind of a, like we have a lot of room in this house, but like the kitchen's really small, for instance. And I'm like, they have to build up. When you don't have a lot of room, you have to go by, you know, the laws of yeah. the city or whatever. You just have to build up. I know you brought up Double Dare. And I like, I love Mark Summers as a host, but I was always a Double Dare 2000 uh, yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I remember that. Because I, I think I think the original Double Dare ended before I even knew what it was. And then all the commercials hyping up the premiere of Double Dare 2000. You know, I was like, I had just turned seven and I was like prime target yeah. audience. For yeah, this. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, a, it was a great concept for a show and it was so much fun. And the physical challenge, uh, it was, it was great. As Larry is um, just kind of looking over the, the Seinfeld set, Julie Louis-Dreyfus joins him and just talks about, I mean, just how crazy it is that they're here and it's all rebuilding everything and, and how, Interesting it is that Cheryl is there. Is that going to be weird working with, you know, your ex-wife? And he's like, no, it's strictly professional. They're not back together or anything like that. It's just, it's strictly professional. And Julia is like, sort of asks um, in a loaded way, like, oh, I didn't know she acts. And he's like, yep, she does. And, like, and so Julia has to keep prying, like, what has, uh, what's she done? And Larry can't name anything <laughs> that Cheryl has acted in professionally. Like, she's, she's done some stuff. It's been good. She's done some stuff, I think. Uh, and Larry is introduced to Emma, who is the daughter of Vicki Lewis, who is not playing the actress Vicki Lewis, who actually was George's secretary in two episodes of Seinfeld oh in season God. six. I'm like, who, who is she? Who is she in this? Who is I she have no idea. Her name is. We meet her for yeah. the first time, and her her name. We find out her name yes. is Stacy. Eventually, we 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 don't learn that in this scene, but we eventually learn that her name's Stacy. We do learn that her daughter's name yeah, is Emma. But I think it's so weird that they are bringing back all these. Well, I guess Carol Liefer didn't play herself. She played that mom. Mark Hirschfeld, or whatever his name is, he played mm -hmm. himself. But I think it's weird that they brought back an actress that, but maybe not. Maybe it's on the on yeah. the table read of the reunion episode. Yeah, and they could have like made her still George's. Why couldn't she play Vicky Lewis, who has a daughter? I guess because that would be weird, like for any of Vicky Lewis's real daughters. Once it once the story plays out, I guess maybe you don't want to. Maybe they offered, and she was like, "I don't want. I want to be in it, but I don't want to be myself. I either have a daughter or might have a daughter later. I don't know her situation, but yeah, I don't want to be part of that storyline as Vicky Lewis. So maybe that's why she is playing Stacy. But so Larry is introduced to Emma, this little girl, and as Emma goes off to you know grab something to eat or say hi to somebody else, Stacy, her mom mentions that she has to take her to the doctor, and Larry's like, "Oh." What's wrong? Is she okay? And the mom goes, oh, yeah, she just has a rash on her pussy. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I think everybody watching this what the was probably just as stunned as Larry was. <laughs> like He likes short circuits. <laughs> Rightly so. I mean, it's absolutely insane that she used that nomenclature in talking about her own kid. It was absolutely just, I mean, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's absolutely bonkers. A very bonkers part of a bonkers episode. Jason Alexander comes over and he really compliments Larry on the script. He loves it. He is shocked, just like Julia was, that Cheryl is playing Amanda because he thought they were going to dialogue on that when he agreed to be in it. He had some ideas for who could play her and, and they they sort of said, and, and he's like, you know, you didn't reach out to me. He's like, you're the executive producer. He's like, exactly. I'm the executive producer and you're just a quote unquote minion as uh, Jason refers to himself. So it's up to the minion to contact the higher up that's how it works that's how a dialogue gets going <laughs> and then uh, you know michael richards is there and he tells larry that his doctor says he might have groats disease so he's like really distracted he doesn't think he can be funny because it's all on his mind and so to put him at ease larry tells him he had a friend who had groats disease and he's fine and he'll call him and let uh, and get him to call michael richards so he can kind of put his mind at ease about the symptoms and that he he lived through and all that what's his name donnie donnie or danny duberstein danny duberstein danny danny, danny duberstein, duberstein. yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, which is a great fake name. And then Larry, all of a sudden, is very shocked to see Funkhauser there, just chilling at craft services with everybody. Just chilling. Just chilling at yeah. craft services. <laughs> I love how oblivious he is. He's like, hey, look at this, the big day. <laughs> he's like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm here for support. And Larry's like, I don't need support. I don't need support. <laughs> like, how about one of the most anticipated reunions of all time is a closed set? Why, why didn't, you know, how about that? He tells him that Jerry wouldn't want you here. And Funkhauser's like, ask him. If Jerry tells me to leave, I'll leave. He's like, Jerry. Uh, and, and so Larry does go over and ask Jerry. But Jerry won't. Jerry doesn't care. And he also won't stand in the way because it, he doesn't want to be the guy to tell Funkhauser to leave. He doesn't want to be a bad guy, which you can kind of understand. He's like, I won't stand in the way. And Larry's like, no, please, please stand in the way. Uh, and he's like, no, I can't. It's going to be, I don't want to do that. It's going to be awkward. And so he's going to stay. And Funkhauser comes over and he insists on telling a joke. And this is the moment that I referenced last week that is, I mean, at least in the top five of Curb fans' overall moments in the entire series. When Funkhauser tells him a joke about a newlywed couple. Oh, my God. Oh. I don't even know if I can do, like, a good Funkhauser it's, voice. It's of, one of a kind. Of like, oh. It's like, she's, she's worried about how big her hole is. <laughs> That was bad. But I think he says opening. Doesn't he say opening? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How big her opening is. I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck? Yeah, and that's what Larry, that's what Jerry says to her. What? Her her opening. I can't do it. It's a very weird. And he's yelling this. He's shouting this across the entire set. And uh, so anyway, in case you don't know what this joke is, just go look it up because we're not going to do it justice. But the punchline is, I'll ruin, P.S. Your cunt is in the sink. (laughs) And Jerry. Jesus Christ. He's he's floored. (laughs) Like, no reaction, no laugh. He's just amazed at the fact that he shouted this in public. One of my favorite lines in this whole scene is Jerry going, I had no idea how repulsive it would be. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, he does kind of, it's a bad edit, but he does kick back in laughter. And then he's doubled over when they, like onto a table when they come back to him. It's a a bad edit of the scene, but I think he really did like the joke and and think it was funny. And I kind of see that on like another level too, where Bob Einstein is sort of a very respected old time, old, old style comedian and and jerry was kind of in the class after him and so i think he respected it that way too just a delivery of by a master comedian of an ancient dirty joke and isn't it weird that we got pussy and cunt and we're not even out of the first scene of this episode yet we're still in the first within the first couple of minutes yeah three minutes (laughs) we've already got both but the table read does begin. Well, oh, hang yeah. on, because uh, Jason Alexander You're comes right. up and asks Larry to borrow a pen. Yes, he borrows a pen from Larry because he doesn't have one. And Larry gives him, a, a really, what's I guess, a really nice pen. It's just his yeah. pen. I mean, he doesn't like dwell on the fact that it's a nice pen. It just happens to be the pen that he yeah. has. And the table read begins. We find out George lost all his money in Bernie Madoff's scheme after making a ton of money with the iToilet app, which would direct you to the nearest acceptable usable toilet, no matter where you were. Which is incredible. Oh, it's a great idea. Yeah. I feel like people have tried to reproduce this over the years, maybe even before this was a thing, and then it never, you know, just never took off for whatever reason. But it would be really useful in New York City. I remember how tough it was when my friends and I would go up there and like, you know, you want to spend all day just walking around the city and then you're like, I got to go to the bathroom. And, And Starbucks started locking their bathrooms. But I think... I remember there was Tower Records, which is probably closed now. Tower Records always had usually very accessible bathrooms. And Barnes & Noble as well were two good places 
in the city. I don't know about these days, but certainly 20 years ago, that was those. Uh, you could easily walk in there and and uh, and find a good bathroom. And, but he, you know, he gave it to Bernie Madoff, who uh, obviously bilked all of his investors in that in in that scheme back in the day. And so he lost it all. Uh, and while they're doing the table read, I mean, Jason Alexander is deep throating Larry's pen. Oh yeah, like he's like. <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. Like it's going in and out multiple times, yeah. like in rapid succession. With his like lips wrapped around it. It's not even like when yeah. I put my pen in my mouth, I'm like biting it. I'm like he is sucking it. He is sucking off. Yeah, that it's pen. it's not it's not something that he's like just doing subconsciously as he's like thinking of something <laughs> else. Like you see the pen go. Mm, 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 mm. Like, what in the fuck? Yeah. Okay, I mean, hey man, I, I'm not I'm not here to shame. Like you you do whatever, but it's. It's odd to do with a It's pen. going in his ear. He's scratching his chest with it. And then it's going back in yeah. his mouth. Like, it goes in his mouth, in his ear, and then back in his yeah, mouth. And it, I don't know if you saw he's that. He's scratching his chest. Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely gross. Larry is just completely distracted. But he can't look or concentrate on anything else. <laughs> he, can't, he can't hear any of the <laughs> yeah. jokes. He's just, just focused on Jason. Yeah. But we do have a couple of other guest stars. Estelle Harris. Jason Alexander's or George Costanza's mom and Steve Heitner, the great Banya, also appears in this episode. Yeah. yeah. And Cheryl is apparently nailing it. You know, everyone chuckles at her little scene. And so that's going, even that's going very well. So after the table read, Larry refuses the return of the pen and he demands a replacement pen. <laughs> he demands Jason yeah, replace he, it. He, yeah, he literally asks that Jason replace the pen, that he get him another yeah. pen. And I, I really do like Jason Alexander and Larry David's passive-aggressive relationship. You know, just, just constantly digging at each other in those... In very pol- in the politest way that they can. It's something they've done throughout the run of, of Curb, and it, it's still very funny. I wish they were on as friendly terms as Larry seems to be with everybody else, but they're just such great frenemies, I guess, that when they talk like this, it's hilarious. It almost seems like, in storyline anyway, because Jason now knows that the George character was based on Larry, like he's trying to kind of like see how Larry reacts to things. He can never like legit- legitimately tell Larry anything or have any like real conversation with Larry it's always just kind of the uh well let's see what he says about this type of thing do you think it's for his performance or just to antagonize him just to antagonize him absolutely (laughs) that's the way I feel too (laughs) oh yeah it's not for a performance or anything it's just and this is all like in the story of the show anyway yeah yeah but no it's literally just to get on his nerves because he <laughs> because he he learned that oh this character that I definitely thought was just an antisocial dumbass who had no idea about how anything worked was based on the actual life of the creator of the show. Yeah. And also, I mean, it goes back to earlier when he's like kind of resentful that he's the role he's most associated with is Larry David. Yeah. And he's taking yeah. some of that frustration out on the actual real because he can't yell at George Costanza and go, you ruined my life. No one can see me as anything. So he can yell at the real George Costanza and say, you ruined my life. No one can see me as anything else but you as, a, as an actual effigy for the character of George Costanza. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So over at L.A. Farm, where we've been several times before, obviously one of Larry's favorite restaurants, there's a huge crowd. But Larry Larry and Jerry are seated immediately because Larry gives the host 20 bucks 
every time. He greases his palm with some green every time. And Larry gets a text from Stacy's kid, Emma. This is where we find out her uh, name is Stacy. But he gets a text from Emma. And, you know, he's like, I guess I gotta respond. Uh, you know, she's like, I got your number from my mom. Hi, or whatever. And so he's got a text back. <laughs> Is this Larry and Jerry or Larry and Jeff? Larry and Jeff. Okay, I said Jerry earlier, but it's definitely Jeff. Okay. And so he asks, Larry is like, oh, get, what's Danny Duberstein's number? Because I want to give it to Michael because he thinks he has Groat's disease. I want to put him at ease. And he's like, no one can get a hold of Danny because he's dead. He died about two months after. <laughs> or maybe two months ago. He died two months ago from Groat's disease. Oh. Yeah. And so <laughs> the thing that is uh, getting a great performance, able to put Michael Richards' mind at ease, completely... Uh, squash now. So back at the studio, Larry and Jerry are talking in their office about the jokes and whether they worked or not and what needs to be... And Larry doesn't remember anything because he was so distracted by the pen. And Jerry has a great line here. Oh, don't loan Jason anything that can be inserted. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what <does that> yeah. mean? <laughs> what else did you lose to Jason Alexander sticking it in his orify? I want to know. Uh, and Larry gets another text from Emma. And Jerry's like, I misunderstood because he's like, that's why I don't have one. See, you've always got a door. Yeah, People are always knocking on the door. I think I you're. See, I thought he was talking about phones. That's what I thought. I thought he was saying he doesn't have a cell phone because he don't, doesn't want to be reachable all the time. But in the next, very next second, Stacy comes in and on her phone. So it's. Uh, so. We find out that Emma, has, the nine-year-old, has a phone, which is a little crazy to me as someone who has a nine-year-old. Look, believe me, she wants one already. But I can't believe back in 2009 <laughs> when they were just Blackberries. It wasn't even – you couldn't even do yeah. anything cool with them. Like, you know – It was literally just like a calculator and texting and emails apparently. Yeah, and maybe Snake or Breakaway, one of those two games. You certainly couldn't play Minecraft or whatever <laughs> Colleen no, – Roblox. No, Whatever Colleen wants to do with her phone. Yeah, I'm like, so why does your nine-year-old have a phone? It's wild. So, okay, let me let me ask you this. When, if Since you have a nine-year-old, what is the age that you guys are trying to wait till until you get her a phone? We're trying to hold off. We're telling her 13. Okay. But <laughs> it might be sooner because it might be a little more like middle school. So whatever that, whatever sixth grade is, which I think might just be 12. Maybe. What? what okay, what grade is she going into? She's and going, she's nine. Yeah, currently. she's going into fourth. So, okay, going into fourth and she's nine. Yeah. Tenth fifth, and ten. fifth. Uh, 11, six and 11. Yeah. So geez, maybe 11. Oh God. But by the time sixth grade starts, she'll almost be 12. She'll turn 12 in okay. December. So yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, maybe for her, maybe for either Christmas or yeah. birthday. Yeah. You, yeah. You can combine them both, combine both presents, you know, yeah, exactly. her, her birthday's right around Christmas. Isn't it's, it? Isn't it, it is. It is a week before. There you yeah. go. Boom. Bo both, both. Both uh, birthday and Christmas. You know what? Hey, Santa had a, a hard time budgeting this year, but he got you something big for both birthday and Christmas. Boom. She goes back from Christmas break with a brand new iPhone. I I'm assuming she wants an iPhone, right? Yeah, yeah. Because all, all her friends probably have iPhones. I would say that's that's probably the case. Yeah, I, I, don't even yeah. Know if, I don't know if any of her friends actually have iPhones yet. Some parents do like, and I don't even know if you can do this because I think it was all discontinued, but the iPod Touch is kind yeah, of a good I, that's what um grace's cousin yeah uh did for her daughters like they got them ipod touches and i'm like that's a genius idea yeah our nieces our, or our niece got a, an ipod touch before she got an actual phone because yeah i mean all it it's not on a on a plan you need wi-fi for it it can play all the apps that you are, are wanting yeah yeah, yeah i mean you, you don't need cell service to be able to text people I, I it's it's 2023 yeah. you know all all kids are talking on snapchat 
or or Instagram now. Yes. So yeah. you don't need 5G. No, no. <laughs> I, I sound like Alex Jones. You don't need 5G. <laughs> That's what we're looking at, probably. But hey, this is L.A. Her mom works for, I don't know, whatever. Her mom works for Seinfeld, so she's rich and probably spoiled, so whatever. That Maybe that's why. That's what I'll, I'll chalk it up to. But it's weird that Jerry says that he doesn't have a phone, because then Larry suggests giving Emma Jerry's number but they're like but he's like no I don't think so you know and you know and even Stacy's like no she doesn't really know Jerry she met you and stuff like that but it's like why didn't he just say I I just told you five seconds ago I don't have a phone Larry you know this about me it's very weird A, a weird bit of you know improv continuity probably where people just say stuff and then they forget it the next second or they stop the scene and they had lunch and then they came back and like oh where were we Uh, oh i was gonna say give him jerry's number or whatever (laughs) stacy leaves (laughs) larry you know they're talking oh yeah oh you've got a little nine-year-old fan and as she leaves larry goes how's her pussy by the way and she goes it's good it's good thanks (sighs) for asking and jerry short circuits at that point (laughs) and also We've got to talk about this, right? How Jerry is the one who's appalled that Larry is talking about an underage girl. Ah, I didn't even catch that. How did I not even... (laughs) How did I not even catch that? (laughs) I want to know how, like, Jerry or Jerry's management team... Like, I'm sure Jerry's got an agent a lawyer, a PR team, you know? How did this get fucking greenlit? That's a that's a great question that no one went, hey, you're kind of known for inappropriate... You're kind of known for uh, dating a 16... She was 16 or 17. Yeah. But knowing Jerry, he probably, he probably wrote it. He was like, let's really show it to those quote-unquote critics uh, and make, a, make it a joke, you know? Like show them. Honestly, I could see that. I could see that. I'm G- telling giving, you. Yeah. Giving the uh, throwing it back at the people who say this was a bad thing. Yeah. That we get with another character later on in the episode. Exactly. I, I could definitely see Jerry having written this. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like a very move on sort of thing. Yeah. I mean that that totally tracks with you know at least his his perceived personality. But the the level of misunderstanding in this episode is like (laughs) bridging on three's company. It's like he could have said, you know, it's weird to say that and not clarify like, oh, you know, that's the word she used when she mentioned this medical issue. That's what I was talking about. But it sounds like... It's so odd to not fill in the other people (laughs) in the room because obviously Jerry was not there originally. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But on the other hand, it is the, the misunderstanding is so hilarious when he goes, how is that, by the way? Like, not, like, not how is the situation with it? Like, how is it? Like, it's so gross, but so, (laughs) but, but the misunderstanding is so hilarious. Like, where it's like, oh yeah, you get a little fan. Oh, how is that, by the way? Oh, it's good. It's good. Thanks for asking. Her mom being casual about it, dude. Like, Jerry's like jaw dropping, like, oh my God. Um, And it just gets worse from here. So buckle in. Um, Back at the soundstage. We're rehearsing, uh, you know, we're in rehearsal now. So past table read in rehearsal, but not quite off book. And hey, there's Wayne Knight. 
Another Seinfeld great. uh, Man, I wish this wasn't spoiled for me. Oh, you knew that Wayne Knight was a part of the the reunion? Only from our last episode that we recorded, because I I looked up, huh, does Wayne Knight ever appear in Curb? Thinking it would be like, since he hasn't already been in season seven, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, he's got to be like later on in the run of the show. And then the thing I found said, oh yeah, he appears in season seven. I'm like, Oh, God damn it. So it's either going to be the next episode or the one after that, because we've only got two episodes left. I'm curious as to why, because I'm pretty sure he wasn't dead yet, but why Frank Costanza is not in this. Has that been yeah, spoiled for know. you yet? That I, I'm pretty sure he's... He, he I didn't see if he was in it or not. Yeah, I, I haven't looked, and I, I think he died within the last few years. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, it was like, yeah I was yeah. going to say, it was recent... And this yeah. was 2009, so he was had over 10 years left. Yeah, so especially as Estelle Harris is there, it's it's just weird that he is not. Yet, maybe maybe we'll see it, because it obviously hasn't been spoiled for us. But Newman uh, is there and has a funny scene with Jerry. And I like that they're, like, cracking up during rehearsal, just probably like they did back in the day. Or maybe it's maybe it's genuine, you know, <laughs> trying to get through a line without cracking yeah, this, up. And this definitely, this definitely seemed almost, like, behind the scenes, yeah. like... Because obviously a lot of the shows improv, this seemed like even behind the scenes of improv where you're seeing like the cogs turning of yeah. like, okay, and then you do this and then I'll say this. Yeah, it must have been how they really blocked a scene because he's like, I've got to slam the door on you. And Wayne Knight's like, I'll move. Don't worry, I'll move. I'll be back, you know, because he's got to. And, and that discussion about like how we're going to block this scene was probably a lot how they did it back in the day. <laughs> it was interesting to just just watch that show within a show happening and uh, Kramer hiring the hooker to be in the carpool lane storyline made it into the show Michael Richards though you know is really concerned about his groats and so on a little break he asked Larry like did you talk to Danny Duperstein I really want to talk to him and uh, you know Larry you know says he'll get him to call him he reassures Cheryl that she's doing a good job and Jason comes up and replaces the pen, only it's not the same kind of pen that, and they argue over the semantics over, well, that pen wrote in blue and this pen writes in blue. So I'd say they're pretty much the same thing by function. And Larry thinks they're not the same thing by, you know, price or niceness or whatever he's gauging it by. Uh, it's not the same, not the exact same pen. Just because it serves the same function doesn't mean it's the same pen or a replacement. Um, but Jason thinks his debt has been paid, but Larry does not think so. And uh, I, I want to throw in, how about this actual confirmed, not yet a cameo, but did you see Eric Andre? No. Yeah. Where? Yes. Eric Andre plays a PA. Like, just some guy you see kind On of- On the reunion? What the fuck? Yes. In this scene, while they're rehearsing, the camera just kind of like pans over. It's so quick, I can't believe he got a credit, but he's in the credits as PA or something at the end of the episode, Eric Andre. I'm like, oh my god! I should have taken a picture, <laughs> uh, but maybe I'll, I'll I'll try to find one or something, or I'll go back and get a picture to tweet out when this episode goes out. But I'm like, and then when I saw him, I was like, oh boy, what's he gonna do later? Nothing. This is the Nothing. only thing he appears in. I was like, oh my god, that got Eric Andre. He was, He's gonna. He do wasn't famous hilarious. yet. He's yeah. probably gonna like fall down the bleachers carrying like some important piece of. No, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't say anything. He's barely on. He's on screen for less time than Ben Affleck. Damn. <laughs> I know, wow. No. But but sure enough, we can confirm it was him via the credits at the end. 
wild, just wild. Over at uh, the Village Center newsstand, with uh, Larry is there with Leon, and the Village Center newsstand was at the corner of Kinross Avenue and Westwood Boulevard in Westwood uh, for a very long time. It opened sometime in the early 90s and closed in June of 2014 when, dang it, there's just no money in newsstands anymore, you know? Uh, the world had mm. moved on from this, this great community watering hole of, of information uh, you know, we'd all just uh, it just dried up as as the last owner, Carl Johnson, or I'm sorry, Carl Johansson. He started working there in 1993, and uh, and then took it over. You know, a few years from the original owner, and uh, and then closed up shop, but not before uh, Larry and Leon have a little scene there. And Larry wants Leon to. He's got a crazy idea. Why don't you act like Danny Duberstein? and convince Michael that everything's going to be okay with Groat's disease. And Leon has no problem. He'll, he'll do it. I mean, he's never said no to an idea from Larry, first of all, but he's got no problem with this one because he can even do white guy voice as he demonstrates <laughs> for Larry. And he's got no problem even saying he was Jewish. Well, I was adopted by a, uh, a Jewish family, and I was bar misfit. I had a bar misfit. He's like, it's a, are, you saying, are you saying bar misfit? It's bar mitzvahd. You've got to be able to say it right, but he keeps saying bar misfit uh, is what it sounded like to me. And then Larry goes to buy his magazine. He's got a 20 in his hand, but he greets, he sees the L.A. Farms host, <laughs> the Mater D, on the street and shakes his hand. And then the 20 is palmed by the L.A. Yeah, Farms Mater D. <laughs> Why? Why would he do this? Why would he take the money? He knows we're not in the restaurant. Yeah. It, like if I if if I'm a if I'm a host, <laughs> if I'm a server and I see one of my regulars outside of that restaurant, I'm not thinking, "Oh, they came to give me a tip because they loved my service yesterday." Yeah. No. Even if What the fuck? This is too removed from reality. <laughs> it was really weird, but maybe it was just muscle memory for this guy. I mean, he <laughs> maybe He obviously maybe. wants to keep the 20, so he's gonna, you know, <laughs> plead to keep the 20 later on, but maybe it was just muscle memory like Every time I shake Larry's hand, there's a bill in it that I take. And this time, even though we were in the restaurant, it happened to be the exact same case. So, you know, maybe that's what took over. It's it's weird. If there hadn't been a 20, I don't think he would have said anything. But because there was, he's like, oh, my God, this guy really does tip me 20 bucks every time I see him. <laughs> Without fail. I, I don't think he's right to have kept it. But, you know, later on anyway. But in this case, I think... You know, he's like, geez, okay, I guess 20 bucks every time. I'll keep giving him a table. Uh, Larry's getting more texts from Emma, and he's finally had enough. When she asks him, do you watch Wizards of Waverly Place? <laughs> he responds in all caps, I loved this message. No, I don't watch Wizards of Waverly Place. I'm an adult. <laughs> I am an adult Exclamation with like nine point. exclamation points. <laughs> I love that. I'm an adult. He's fed up. And so back at the soundstage, back on set, Stacy asked him why he yelled at her daughter. He's like, I didn't yell because Larry doesn't understand that, <laughs> you know, typing in all capitals with a million exclamation points is the same as yelling now that it's now that we're all exchanging emails on our cell phones or texts as normal people call them. Uh, all ca so she's like, you got to make it right. Take us out. Take us out. I've made reservations. You'll take us out to lunch. Say it was your idea. Maybe bring her a little gift. Okay. And just make it right. So over at L.A. Farm, Larry gets a very nice table and, you know, shakes the host's hand. And then the host goes in for another shake because there's obviously no money there. And, 
and then goes to shake both his hands. <laughs> Does it like three or four times. <laughs> yeah, and then of course it's like, is the, the table not good? Is like, And Larry's like, oh, I see what's going on. He explains a misunderstanding about, you know, the, the $20 I would have given you today, I gave you yesterday when you took the 20 out of my hand that I was going to buy my magazine with. And so they argue, I don't think the host has any leg to stand on, but of course he wants to keep that 20, keep the 20 train rolling. But, uh, you know, but so Larry says I, no more pretty if much. I, if I'm Larry in this situation, I, I even would have just said like, look, I will keep going with the $20 if you keep getting me these tables the next time I'm in here. Yeah. But the, the 20 for right now, you already took yeah. yesterday at the newsstand. He's like, what do you think I was giving you that 20 for if you think I was giving you that 20? He doesn't really have a good answer. He doesn't really, you know, th- th- there was no good answer to take a tip outside the restaurant. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it. I guess I guess the good table train is over. Uh, but uh, Stacy and Emma show up, and Emma's not buying Larry David's apology. And the waitstaff is totally ignoring the table because obviously the host has has told them not to, you know, give Larry David any special treatment or any treatment at all. Now that the uh, tip train has left the station, and so Larry wait gets up to go get a waiter. And tells the waiter that there's a little girl who's waiting and she has to go to the doctor because there's a rash on her pussy. So go over and help her right now. Which, cheese. <laughs> Come on. Good lord. It doesn't become any easier to hear. No. Throughout. No, it yeah, really yeah. doesn't. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, this. Uh, so we cut to Michael Richards' dressing room where Leon shows up and he's dressed, you know, he's got a suit. And a white shirt and a red bow tie, and we already know from that, you know, from Larry David's uh, earlier episode. Probably isn't it called the bow tie or something like that? Where that the only African American men that wear bow ties are Muslim, and mm-hmm. um, Leon's also wearing a an odd hat that he has added to the outfit. Um, and so he knocks on Michael Richards' trailer, and as Michael Richards opens the door and sees this sight, he goes, "I made a mistake. It was three years ago. Leave me alone. Don't hurt me." <laughs> oh my god yeah so they they have addressed the, they, uh, they, they had to address it you know they, they had to do something about the it. infamous tirade yes yeah holy shit <laughs> and not only does it not only do they ad- uh address it in the show it doesn't fucking end there <laughs> oh yes oh yes yeah it gets better. <laughs> um, but Larry's not there yet. Larry was supposed to be with Leon to perpetuate this story and fill in a lot of blanks for Leon that now he's going to have to do himself. Because Larry, as we head back to L.A. Farm, see the lunch is still going on because he can't get any good service now. And he gives <laughs> the gift he brought for Emma is the pen that Jason Alexander <laughs> gave him to replace the pen that Jason was chewing on. And he's like, I heard you were a writer. And what does a writer need but a pen? Uh, It's a really shitty gift, but it works on Emma. And she forgives Larry, (laughs) even giving him a big old hug. And she's she's super excited. She's she's excited again. She's got her buddy back. Yeah, I forgive you. And so gives him a big old hug. And he does kind of like toss her off, by the way. He like sort of rips her. He's like, all right, that's enough uh, physical activity. Um, Which I thought was kind of a funny. He's like, now that everything, now that I've made it right, I don't have to do any more work. Uh, but back over at Michael's dressing room, Leon is in there, and he says he got bar mitzvahed three times because you have to do it every 13 years. 
And I like that Michael looks at him quizzically. And he's like, I, I don't know. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's like, I, I don't know. It doesn't sound right, but I don't know enough to disprove you. I love that. <laughs> all right, I guess so. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, we, we've all we've all had these moments. Like, yeah. whenever we overhear someone like trying to explain something to somebody, and we're like. I know that's not right, but I'm not confident in how much I know about this topic to tell them how wrong they are. Exactly. Yeah, I, I love that. It was played so funny because it's like, oh, the jig is up. And it's like, no, yeah. it's not. It's, it's not. It's like, it's like even even very timely to our record. Uh, yesterday, I'm back like at work after lunch, and I'm hearing people talk about. Uh, Paul Rubens, hearing people talk about Pee Wee Herman, and I hear someone say, "Yeah, but like the stuff about kids," and I'm like. Uh, I know that was not an actual thing, but I don't know enough to tell them that they're like wrong. Let's you know talk what about I mean? kids. What was he like? Was there a, a... Uh, the, in in? Well, I mean, there was the stuff like in the uh, the porno theater right. that was in the early '90s, but in like early 2000s, I I think I read in 2002, he was charged with. Uh, owning erotica that depicted a person under the age, but he said it was just a vintage erotica collection that he had purchased at an art auction. Wow, I don't even remember that. Yeah, and and, and he even went on quote saying, "I am not titillated by children." Ah, that's a good good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm like, look, and like they're they're. Uh, I think he was charged, but charges were obviously dropped uh, because it was just ah, a yeah. piece of art that he bought. It's become like this thing over the last 20 years that people are like yeah but he's a pedo i'm like well no 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 he, yeah. he wasn't but 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 also like i don't know everything that happened concerning I that peewee's not the only thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a wild trifecta by the way i'm saying it was tony bennett Sinead o'connor paul rubens like talk about just like you know first of all i mean Sinead o'connor and paul rubens like two huge 90s personalities but then tony bennett yeah. like one of the biggest personalities of all time and and i'm obviously i'm uh, i don't know if you're a euphoria fan but also angus cloud right uh yesterday i was not but i yeah so but i saw that you know it's weird you, you can it, it it's because paul rubens and angus cloud like happened on the same day i guess uh it's it was just weird to see it reported because i get a newsletter in the morning that is obviously targeted at a different audience than myself because it was like angus cloud the 25 year old star of euphoria passed away please haven't said why <laughs> and it was like a huge paragraph and then it was like also paul rubens famous for playing Pee Wee herman passed away oh and that my was like God. he got one really he got one sentence he got a and line like, yeah uh. and, and he got one line like after an ellipses like in addition to in addition to angus uh paul rubens passed away. i'm like oh my god the man reinvented comedy and, yeah. and children's man, television I I, I definitely uh, just thought I should have said something about Angus Cloud on my show this morning, and I did not because I was too reliant on my show prep that is targeted towards middle-aged white men. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember. I, I, did, I did mention Pee Wee, though, and I played the clip because obviously being in Texas. Of, the stars uh, at I'm night. I'm in Texas. <laughs> Prove it. Okay. The stars at night are big and bright. Deep, Deep in, in the, the heart, heart of, of Texas. <laughs> Classic. In 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 uh, reverence today, our local uh, adult album alternative station played the Get Up Kids classic, I'm a Loner Dottie, a Rebel. Also a quote oh, from the fuck. same movie. Yeah. Wow. I know. Yeah, but that, I mean, you forget 
just because it like was so fully formed the second it hit anyone's eyeballs that like he invented Pee Wee Herman. Like that wasn't it just blows your mind to go like yeah, and then he had the children's TV show and the HBO specials and the and the movies and like and Tim Burton we pretty much have Pee Wee to thank. Like that you know, Pee Wee's big adventure was like when Tim Burton was like cutting his teeth and stuff. It's like, man, but you forget that like that fully formed character just came out of one guy's brain. Like mm-hmm. it, it, and it's so ubiquitous that you just, you know, to me, I feel like people lose sight of the fact that like, ah, so what he did one thing that's saying like, ah, so what? Like, uh, you know, Nirvana had one good album or the velvet underground had one <laughs> album or like, who cares? You know, so what? It's like, yeah, but they, listen to what they did or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm not even a Nirvana fan, but I think that comparison is apt that like, certainly they, you know, they, a lot of musicians owe their work to them or whatever. Like Sarah squirm, for instance, if you want to put it in younger people's, I don't know how, my, how much younger people love them, but she was like, this man was my idol. I owe everything. I owe my mm-hmm. identity yeah. to him because what I do they, now is based on Jimmy Herman. <sighs> Seeing her tweet, like, yeah. was real sad. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, there's a, there's a wrestler that I follow whose, like, personality, like, his whole gimmick is, like, I don't know, based on, like, old TV, yeah. but, like, like 50s and 60s era TV and in very, like, Pee-wee-esque comedy. Uh, his name's RJ City. Uh, but he tweeted, let me find this, because he, he tried out at one point for WWE and he tweeted, when WWE said no, Paul Rubin spent an hour on the phone with me. Damn. He told me how not getting SNL led to the Pee Wee Herman show. He told me to take my frustration and do something with it. The blessing of not being with everyone is doing what they can't. He changed my life. Yeah, that's, that's Jesus awesome. Jesus Christ. Totally. I think he was, I think he was that way to, to a lot of people. Um, and of course, because he was so unbelievably irreverent, Pee Wee's Playhouse was banned in my house, and that made me appreciate it even more. <laughs> um, and one, you know, so I like had to find out what what this was all about, and and loved it. And yeah, so obviously a huge uh, a co- comedic powerhouse uh, that that was lost. How do we get a, talking about that? I have no idea. I don't know. You know, Michael Richards. I don't know why he didn't get the Groats disease symptoms from his doctor. But one thing that he wanted to talk to Danny Duberstein about was, he's like, yeah, my doctor told me to look out for the symptoms, so I really want to talk to him. It's like, why didn't your doctor tell you what the symptoms are? Because Leon, as Danny, is saying like, <laughs> oh, yeah, everything I ate tasted like peaches. And also, I forgot how to multiply. I could subtract, <laughs> but I couldn't multiply. Um, Larry, meanwhile, books it from the restaurant. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's he's talking about like, if I'm fucking... Oh, yeah, yeah. How many... Six women, no, three women, six if, times a week, if, I think. And, se- and seven seven days in yes. a week. How many women am I fucking? <laughs> yeah, how many times am I fucking? Is it, is, is, is it 10? Is it 130? <laughs> I don't know. But I did love his line. I was like, if there's two things that Danny Duperstein is good at, it's math and fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And so Michael Rich is like, well, how did you beat it? And he has to think for a second. He kind of puts his hand on his head and he's like this hat this hat is how uh <laughs> and so uh larry david shows up because he had booked it from lunch as fast as he could he shows up and the conversation is over uh, you know he's walking out and larry comments that even you look like farrakhan what are you doing dressed like this and leon does say he is trying to fuck a muslim girl and so he's he had to convert for a week or something like that but he's like don't worry it's all good i took care of it i i handled it when even though you weren't here like you were supposed to be uh so at rehearsal <laughs> 
this to me was one of the funniest parts of the whole. He, Leon is clueless about Seinfeld. He's asking like, "Who are those people?" And it's Jerry and Elaine. <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> what? He's clearly never seen the <laughs> show. Never seen an episode. And he's like, "Oh, he's tapping that ass." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> "I love that." Yeah. Who? Who's that? That's the guy whose name is on the show (laughs) and then then what does he say when newman comes in he's like who is this fat funny motherfucker (laughs) just at the sight of him he didn't even say anything yet yeah it just i love how clueless he is about larry's billions uh but michael richards entered the scene and he's wearing leon's hat uh, because Leon told him if he takes it off, he'll die. <laughs> That's how he solved the problem. <laughs> he beat Groats by wearing that magical hat that uh, Michael has to. Michael is insisting that he wears all the time now. And then Leon like books it. He's he's like, see you later. Um, and Funkhauser shows up with Mrs. Duperstein, and he's introducing her. And Michael Richards overhears this, and so he walks over and says, "Oh my gosh, I just saw your husband uh, a couple hours ago." And she's like. I'm afraid you're mistaken. My husband died two months ago. And Funkhauser makes sure to add, it was a long, painful death from Groat's disease. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I think that's when Larry books it from from the scene because he knows uh, what's happening. And, And so Michael Richards storms outside calling Leon, who happens to be standing next to two other uh, black people (laughs) um, at at a table. He calls him an asshole and people who are like waiting in line to get into the studio start pulling out their cell phones to record this. They just start filming it. Yeah. As Michael Richards is, is yelling at a black man. Yeah. And and calling him an asshole. And this was a, this was a funny line. I wish there was a name I could call you that would make you as angry as I am right now. (laughs) Holy shit. And then he catches on, sees people filming, and he's like, oh, what? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and runs off from the scene. Holy fuck. I know. (laughs) Even even whenever they, they cut to, like... One of the uh, one of the screens on someone's yeah. phones, and it's just like pixelated <laughs> quality of of the shot of Michael Richards screaming at Leon. I'm like, this is incredible. I love that shot too. Yeah, the the <laughs> fake pixelization <laughs> phone shot, whatever. So over at the offices of Doctor Randall Park, uh, hey, we got I gotta I gotta write this down. <laughs> what was Randall Park up to? Now, obviously. Uh, you know, kind of a big star. People may know him yeah. as Asian <laughs> Jim was... from uh, from The Office. Yeah, I think this was well before uh, the time when uh, both of us were super annoyed of the iHeartRadio podcast promo. Oh of, this this is Randall Park. Do you remember that shit? Oh my gosh! Like <laughs> twice a stop set sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't even that, his that podcast. He lodged. A guest unlodged from my from my brain whenever I saw him. I'm like, oh my god! I totally yeah. And it's like in his like he's like yeah. And I was working on this movie, and all of a sudden it became a big thing. Like what we heard the same soundbite twelve times a shift because it played because it wasn't even his podcast. He was like a guest on some podcast that they were talking about. Oh no, yeah. He was like, doesn't this guy have any other guests? Just Randall Parks on every episode? Oh my gosh. Um, I totally forgot about that, but yeah, we'll have to find out what uh, Randall Park was up to. And Larry has a rash and he's worried that he got it from Emma. And when he starts, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm seeing this nine-year-old girl and she has a rash on her pussy. 
And, you know, we had lunch and we got in a fight and we made up. And he's explaining the situation that we know is relatively harmless in such a nonchalant way, just like he did around Jerry, that the doctor is like emergency bells are going off in his head and he's like Jesus uh, yeah uh, she's texting me right now we text all the time i loved i thought it was i thought the misunderstanding was so funny um we text all the time uh and he so he starts texting her back ha 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 don't tell your mother but i got you another gift and randall park dr park excuses himself from the room and tells his uh receptionist to call the police as larry is laughing <laughs> about whatever text he just got from this nine-year-old he's quote-unquote seeing and that's when frolic starts to play and that's the end of the episode <laughs> oh my god yeah. all right tim do we got any homework this week uh yeah, i just wrote down randall park what uh, what was he up to back in the day back in 2009 okay. yeah I know, I'm trying to I'm trying to find what the name of the podcast was that he was on <laughs> that was running in that promo, and I'm like, I, I I'm thinking it would just kind of pop up. Yeah. You know? What are you googling? Like it, Randall Park iHeart podcast. I'm on iHeart.com searching in podcasts, and I search term Randall Park. Was it uh, the Big Shot? That sounds um, right. Hmm. I mean, I guess anything would the probably sound right. The Big Shot is a right. podcast about Randall. Emmett, it's a story of the other Vanderpump Rules scam. Oh, uh, oh, that's not right. No. Um, oh, that just searched Randall, not Randall Park. Uh, Love and Nora Bang. I saw that. No. I don't. That doesn't sound familiar. Adventure Party was. Um, was there a separate podcast promo about, or was he the one who was talking about Keanu Reeves? I think he was the one talking about Keanu Reeves, right? And then all of a sudden, Keanu Reeves is in your movie. Remember, because Keanu Reeves was in that that romantic comedy that Randall Park was wait, wait, in wait, at wait, the wait, time. Wait, 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 wait. Randall Park, just for variety, with Mark Malkin, fresh off the boats, Randall Park on his new Netflix rom-com, yes. Always Be My Maybe, Yes, working with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Holy fuck. Not only did we find the show, I found the exact fucking episode. <laughs> Tim, I'm going to send this to you. I think our homework has got to be to listen to this Just episode listen to finally. <laughs> yeah. Listen to this four-year-old, 30-minute podcast because it's been haunting our subconscious <laughs> and ever I'm, since. And I'm sure when I hear that part, I'll probably just drive <laughs> off the road. <laughs> oh, probably. Honestly, I wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. I'm, I'm going to send this to you. This is going to be like the... Uh, the main link, so you'll have to like find this okay. wherever your wherever your podcast. Are you texting me is. at least? Or... I, I send it in the Libsyn chat. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll uh, do you want me to send it to you on Messenger? Uh, yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Just somewhere because I'm on my computer right now, so I won't be able okay. to transfer that easily. <laughs> so if you can, my gosh, yeah, and all of a sudden you're acting alongside Keanu Reeves. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. I just said it to you. <laughs> I can't wait. I'll make the right, family so... listen to it on our uh, vacation. We're going on a road trip tomorrow, so oh, nice. I'll make them listen to it. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, what do we got for cover art this week? I think the first shot is pretty cool of the back of Larry David and the monks. I mean, it doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the episode, um, but that is just a cool shot. Uh, but something you know during the table read, since it's called the table read, would be appropriate. Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, I can't think of anything better than those, anyway. I really do like that shot in front of Monks. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it sets the scene. It sets the episode up of, like, look, 
we're doing this shit. You know, this is real. This is actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and you can see that dawning on Larry, too, that like, you know, there, he doesn't get sentimental over much. But this kind of, you know, you can see him just looking at it with that reverence and sort of like, wow, look at it. I mean, it's like it's like we never left, you know. All right, Tim, let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had Larry gets frustrated by a nine-year-old's emails. Uh, Leon poses as a dead man and Jerry befriends Funkhauser. Let's take out the last part, right? Do we yeah, need that? It's not not super important. I mean, it. I don't know. No. I, I'm actually kind of wondering how they haven't been friends prior to this. Yeah. They, they seem like they'd be in the same circles. Yeah. Kind of like old comedians. Exactly. Although Funkhauser, I don't anymore. think I don't think he's playing a comedian. I don't think he's playing a comedian in this. I don't know what mm, his previous job was, but he's just random old rich white guy. <laughs> um, but also, it might be like a, a Jerry is a New York guy. I don't know how much. I don't know if he if his home base is still, you know, uh, Manhattan. But Larry being a, he seems like one of Larry's L.A. friends, I guess. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But uh, but also, it has nothing to do with the episode. What did you think, by the way? Um, let me interrupt. What did you think of that? Do you think that moment deserves to be in the on the Mount Rushmore of Curb Your Enthusiasm moments? The joke to Larry. People just love. It's one of the things you see that posting from all of the fan Twitter eh. sites and Reddit and everything. The Funkhauser's joke to Jerry. Yeah. Fuck no. <laughs> no. There's so I I can I, I I can think of. I mean, if you give me like a couple of minutes, I can probably think of five more funny scenes than that right now. Wow. Obviously, I can't. Yeah. I can't right. Right. Now. Right. Right. I'm not spot. going to. I understand what you mean. Okay. Though. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I think it's just a funny because Funkhauser, who is not a comedian, insists on telling Jerry a joke, which obviously comedians would hate in real life. He they tell him not to do it, but he's like, let me just get through this. Uh, and then it's so repulsive and, and odd but jerry cracks up anyway i don't know i i can appreciate it i don't know if i agree that it's one of the top five scenes of all time but it's certainly one of the most posted in the you know wherever you find clips of curb your curb your enthusiasm i will say that you know it would definitely be on funkhauser's best scenes volume one uh, <laughs> i don't know how many volumes of that there are on youtube but it would it would definitely be or maybe even like curb your enthusiasm best scenes all seasons or whatever. It would definitely be on there. It would definitely be on there. But okay, so Jerry befriends Funkhauser. has nothing to do with anything. So we can just, just strike that. Leon poses as a dead man. Is good I like Because that. it sets up the whole ending. Yes, like what's the deal with that? Um, honestly, let's just change to Larry gets frustrated by a nine-year-old's text messages. Can we say... And Leon poses as a dead man. Text messages. A nine-year-old's text messages you know, however we can shorten this, a nine-year-old's text messages cause a misunderstanding for Larry or something like that are misunderstood by, I don't know, maybe that ruins it too much. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that ruins I, it. I, I think it's just yeah. got to be frustrated because you don't want to, you don't want to telegraph the, the punchline of yeah. Larry talking about the rash on the nine-year-old's pussy. You're right. Or like, oh, I'm seeing this nine-year-old. We had lunch. We were, <laughs> we were in a fight, but we made up. It's so funny the way he's explaining a completely innocuous situation in those terms. <laughs> Don't tell your mother, but I got you another gift. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, can we just say texts? Let's just say texts. Yeah, yeah there we go. Gets frustrated by a nine-year-old's text. I don't need to specify it's SMS or MMS. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, let's just, I don't know what Blackberry was capable of. Capable of. Let's just say text. <laughs> Larry is frustrated by a nine-year-old text. A nine-year-old text. And and Leon poses as a dead man. Great. There we go. <laughs> Tim, did you like this episode? 
I, I did. I mean, I, I almost could have been pushed to a star low, maybe by the end. I mean, just because the misunderstanding and Dr. Randall Park playing it so great. I mean, he does so little in this scene, but, you know, I mean, you, you can appreciate his acting chops even this early in his, well, wherever he was in his career, I don't know. And so I think that was just that was hilarious, but I don't think it's funny enough to push it into a star territory. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Okay. Uh, well, to uh, to give you my answer, let me read you the last line that I have from voice to text <laughs> on my notes. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this, you know, very, very monotone, yeah. very straightforward. Okay. Larry goes to a doctor and says he's been seeing a nine-year-old girl who has a rash on her pussy. Ha, 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 ha. My God. Ha, 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. So you were Yes. You must have been really laughing. I was dying <laughs> at the end of this scene. And my speech to text caught every single one of my laughs, maybe not all of them, maybe there was more, and wrote them down in my notes <laughs> as each individual ha ha ha. So I give this a full stop. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what's holding me back. I mean that that I, I guess like I just said that the the central joke of it all that that comes at the end is so is super funny. Don't get me wrong, but but for some reason it just wasn't enough to carry the entire episode, and I I don't mm-hmm. know why. But I can appreciate okay. your full star because it is hilarious. Yeah, I'm seeing this nine year old. She has a rash on her pussy. Like, how would he know that unless he's molesting a nine year old? <laughs> like, no one understands. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, God. All right. Next week we have got season seven, episode ten, the season seven finale, titled. Seinfeld, original air date, November 22nd, 2009. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to say, you are going to see in the season seven finale, a returned favor costs Larry quality time with Cheryl. Not bad. I love how teasy it is. Mm. It's teasy and short. Uh, yeah. Mm. And, and sur- it's very teasy. <laughs> and surprisingly, I don't remember a ton about this episode. So I can't wait to experience all right. it all over again. Yeah. So, all right, is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good! (laughs) 